Hey everybody, welcome to the Horn Takes Podcast. This is episode one, Red River Smackdown. So just a quick intro to my podcast. Uh, Texas Longhorn fan for as long as I can possibly remember. Uh, just started getting on TikTok here pretty recently and just thought, hey, why not try this podcast thing, right? Uh, so this podcast is going to be all about Texas sports. Uh, we're going to talk about football. We're going to talk about baseball. We're going to talk about a little bit of basketball. Not, I don't know a whole lot about basketball, but we'll learn as we go, right? Um, and it'll all be from a fan fan perspective. I'm, I'm not here to try to analyze everything. There's a lot of smart people out there that they can tell you, you know, what happened during the football game or why the baseball team lost today or, you know, what's going on with the, the basketball team. I want to approach this more from a fan perspective. I'll talk about stats. I'll talk about uh, – excuse me, the game uh, prior. I'll talk about the future schedules. Uh, I'll throw some horn takes in there every once in a while, some stuff that's going to probably uh, piss some of you guys off uh, and some stuff that, uh, you know, might just change your perspective a little bit about uh, Texas sports. So uh, with all that said, uh, last weekend was Red River Shootout weekend. We were there. Uh, it was a great time. Uh, the, the State Fair was uh, an amazing atmosphere as usual. As usual. Uh, the... Uh, the football game was great uh, if you're a Texas fan. It wasn't too great, I don't think, if you're an Oklahoma fan. But uh, that's the way it goes sometimes uh, in this series. Uh, so just a quick recap. Quick recap of the uh, Red River shootout this weekend. Uh, again, the experience was great. Uh, this was the first time OU's been shut out in this series since 1965. 1965, that's a long time. We're talking, what, 50 Seven years, uh, that is insane uh, that, that OU hasn't been shut out in that time period. So the last 57 years, no shutouts for Oklahoma, no shutouts for Texas against Oklahoma. It was the first time Oklahoma's been shut out, period, since 1998. That's the year before Bob Stoops got there. Like, think about, think how far back that is in, in sports time. Uh, just absolutely crazy. That's 311 games uh, that uh, – Oklahoma has gone without being shut out. <clears throat> Snapped their longest touchdown scoring streak in the country. Uh, they were sitting at 137 games, I believe, uh, which was, again, the longest in the country at the time. Uh, again, just just pretty crazy defensive dominance in this game by the University of Texas. And, and, and it didn't stop there with the defense. The offense racked up 585 total yards. Nearly 300 of those yards were on the ground. Uh, and Texas had five, no, excuse me, four backs with 5.6 yards per carry or more. Uh, again, just pure domination. Uh, Oklahoma sitting at 185 total yards for the game. Uh, and, and the crazy thing about that stat is almost all of those yards came in the first half. Uh, they were having a lot of success with that Wildcat formation early on in the game. Uh, they had two pretty long drives. Uh, in that game, early in that game, uh, utilizing the Wildcat, uh, and they just couldn't quite get it done. Uh, so, uh, anyway, uh, I know it was tough for them not to have Dylan Gabriel. Uh, having your starting quarterback out is obviously not ideal. Uh, Texas has been trying to do it for the last three weeks before the Red River shootout. Uh, actually, four weeks if you count uh, the majority of the Alabama game. So, uh, definitely can feel the Oklahoma fans on that one. Uh, just going back to the, you know, the offensive dominance in this game, uh, Texas's first three scoring drives were 90 yards, 92 yards and 80 yards. 
just uh, unbelievable efficiency on offense. Uh, I, I love Hudson Card. I think Hudson Card did an outstanding job uh, for Texas while he was in as the starter, but he is not Quinn Ewers. Uh, I, I don't know what it is about – there's a lot of people out there that think the offense changed uh, when Hudson Card got in in terms of the play calling. I don't believe that at all. I, I think uh, what people were seeing was Hudson Card's inability – to execute the offense the same way that Quinn Ewers can execute the offense. I, I don't think a whole lot's changed. They try to run the ball a little bit. They try to press the ball down the field. Uh, obviously, you have the horizontal passing game, get the ball out quick, let those fast guys run. Uh, I think we saw the same stuff with Card and Ewers, but for some reason, Ewers just has a better grasp of it. Uh, he's physically more talented. Uh, like That kid can throw a ball 40 yards, and, and it looks like me flipping a penny 10 feet. Uh, he, he's just got amazing, amazing uh, physical talent. Uh, and I think that's the difference. He executes it at a much higher level than Hudson Card can execute it. Now, we talked earlier about how we're going to have some horn takes. You can call them hot takes. Most people call them hot takes. I'll call them horn takes because this is a horn. It's a longhorn podcast, right? So horn take number one about this game. Quinn Ewers was rusty. Now, he went 21 for 31 for 289 yards and four touchdowns, and he was rusty. Well, how could that possibly be? How could he possibly be rusty with those types of stats? Well, he missed Whittington for an easy touchdown. Whittington was running a wheel into the end zone, uh, and he just completely airmailed the ball. Uh, Had a lot of zip on that ball, and Whittington got his hands on it, and he probably could have made a catch, uh, but it was a very uh, inaccurate pass. Um, in fact, there, there was a lot of passes during the game and a lot to Whittington. Whittington had a great game. Uh, Whittington really uh, sort of uh, showed off that intermediate passing game uh, that the University of Texas has that, and then they're going to have to have to keep winning football games. Um, but a lot of the balls to Whittington just seemed to be a little bit off. Whittington made a great, great catch uh, early in the game. Uh, I, I don't remember the exact situation. I want to say it was third down. Uh but he made a great catch on like a 12, 15-yard crossing pattern uh, that, that Ewers just kind of left out there. Now, in, in Ewers' uh, defense, he, he was moving uh, when he made the throw, so uh, a lot, lot uh, easier to be inaccurate when you're, when you're trying to throw the ball on the run. But, uh, and, and then there was a ball, uh, I distinctly remember a ball to, uh, to uh, Bijan Robinson, uh, that was just a little bit behind uh, and high, and Bijan made a great catch, a great play on the ball. There was a couple of balls that uh, were just a little bit off uh, on it, uh, for Xavier Worthy. Uh, there were comeback routes, uh, and those are tough. Uh, the wide receivers coming back to the ball at a, at a really high rate of speed. Uh, obviously, it's a timing route. The quarterback wants to get it out and get it out there fast, and Ewers got a good arm. Uh, so there was a lot of zip on those balls, but – they were just a little bit off and caused uh, Xavier Worthy to kind of have to adjust his hands uh, and couldn't quite make uh, either one of those. So all that being said, he had an amazing game. He was rusty. I can't wait to see what this guy is going to do uh, as we move forward throughout the season and he gets some time under his belt. I mean, he really, he, you know, he played the first game uh, of the season against Louisiana uh, Monroe, and it was it was pretty uh, pedestrian. Uh, it, was, it was just kind of uh, there, right? Like you could see a little bit of flash, but – uh, there really wasn't anything that said, man, this Quinn Ewers guy, right? I mean, he threw an interception on his first drive. He did settle down after that and, and did pretty well. 
Uh, and then, uh, and then against Bama, he comes out and it's just gangbusters for for a whole quarter, right? Uh, I think he threw for 162 yards in in that first quarter before they uh, before they finally knocked him out of the game. Uh, so, so anyway, I can't wait to see him play uh, and get into a rhythm. I think it's going to be really exciting. Um, I think uh, I think the offense just has so much more uh, that it can show even though the offense has been uh, really, really outstanding so far this year, even with Card at the helm. I mean, they've scored – when Card was the quarterback, they scored 35 points a game on average, so uh, five touchdowns a game on average, uh, and that should be enough to win any kind of football game. So uh, kudos to Card again for coming in and doing what he needed to do. I'm really excited about yours. Uh, let's talk a little bit about some things that Texas needs to keep doing if they want to win football games. They want to keep getting better uh, because we'll talk about it a little bit. The schedule is tough. Uh, they've got a really tough schedule coming up. But here are some things they need to really work on. Uh, they need to build off the same looks. Uh, there was a there was a series of plays in the uh, second quarter of that game that led up to Worthy's uh, touchdown, uh, his touchdown reception, uh, where they gave – Oklahoma, the same look, three plays in a row. There was two wide receivers lined off to the to the uh, right side of the field. You had Bijan Robinson in the backfield offset to the right, and you had JT Sanders sort of in a little wing position off to the left. Uh, Keelan, Keelan Robinson come in motion and motion right back out. All three plays, exact same pre-snap look. The first play they handed off to Bijan on the little inside zone, he picks up, uh, I don't know, two or three yards, no big deal. The next play, they run the same exact motion. Uh, and by the way, the routes on the outside were all the same uh, on, on both of these pass plays. Um, so anyway, they ran they ran the motion with Keelan. They, they ran him out on a little wheel. Uh, Xavier Worthy runs the post. He hits the wheel wide open for a, for a nice first down. Uh, very next play, they hit the play action on the same side motion with Keelan Robinson, and Xavier Worthy is all by himself in the end zone. Well, not all by himself, one-on-one, which is might as well be all by himself in the end zone uh, for a really nice catch, really nice touchdown. Point being, Sarkeesian is a master at sort of uh, giving the teams all these different plays out of the same look, uh, and I'd really like to see him continue to do that as the season goes on. Uh I don't know why that one stood out to me so much. I watched the game last night. We got home. Uh, we got home Sunday afternoon. Uh, we kind of Diane, my wife, she watched the text or the excuse me the Dallas game. Uh, she's a huge Dallas Cowboys fan, so we watched Dallas and then we watched some other things last night. Um, so I didn't get a chance to watch the game until really late. But I stayed up real late watching the game, and for some reason that series just stood out to me, and I was like, wow, that is the same thing over and over. That's got to be tough on a defense. Uh, to be able to try to defend that many different things out of the same look. The next thing they need to do is keep running the football. Uh, obviously, the offensive line last year was really beat up, really bad. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian goes out and recruits like seven, signs like seven offensive linemen uh, in the 2022 class. Uh, a lot of five stars, a lot of four stars, a couple of three stars. Uh, really big class, really solid class, uh, and a lot of those guys are playing quite a few minutes, and most of them are in the two deep at this point. Um, but that line is starting to get a little bit better. Uh, and, and here's a crazy stat for you guys. There was an FPI stat. I don't know what it looks like this week, but there was an FPI stat before the Red River shootout that said Texas had 
the best FPI rushing game, and, and I don't know how this is made. I don't know how this is uh, – I don't. I don't know what goes all into the stat. I don't understand the FPI thing at all. I think Texas right now is ranked number five in the FPI. It's just some kind of computer algorithm that does something. Whatever. It's not that big a deal. But this is an interesting stat. So they were they were the number one rated rushing team in the Big Twelve according to FPI, but they were the dead last Big Twelve team in run blocking. Uh, what's that tell you? Well, that tells me that you've got a lot of really good running backs. Uh, Bijan Robinson uh, makes a lot of plays out of nothing. Um, he he uh, oftentimes is is having to make moves in the backfield uh, before he uh, you know even gets to the line of scrimmage. There's already guys in his face, and he's making moves. He he's probably outside of Barry Sanders. He is probably the best running back I've ever seen that can turn absolutely nothing into just a really big, exciting play. Uh, every time he grabs the ball, you got to hold your breath because you never know what's going to happen. Um, and that and that's what's going to go ahead and lead me to my horn take number two for today. Uh, I I think you've got two really great backs. You've got Bijan Robinson and you've got Roshan Johnson, uh, both different kind of backs, uh, both physical backs, both big guys. Uh, Roshan Johnson uh, probably does not have the breakaway speed uh, that Bijan Robinson has, but he's a much more powerful runner, in my opinion. Uh, there were a couple plays in this game where he just absolutely trucked OU linebackers. There, there was one early in the game. Uh, he took just an inside. It was almost like a power play. It wasn't really a zone play. It was real quick hitting downhill type running play, and he just steamrolled number 28. I don't even know who number 28 is for Oklahoma, uh, but he took that one to the chin, and he just kept going. Uh, and he did that several more times in this game. So Rojo, obviously, to me, is a much stronger back. And here's here that leads me to my horn take number two. I think that Rojo is going to have a better NFL career than B. John Robinson. I think B. John Robinson has a little – if I had one cr- criticism of B. John Robinson, it would be that he has too much PTSD – Uh, from getting hit in the backfield. Uh, You go back to the Texas Tech game. There was a play uh, where Texas Tech had just pinned Texas. uh, I believe it was in the fourth quarter. They pinned Texas real tight to the the end zone. I think the ball was on the three-yard line, four-yard line. It's first down play, and Texas runs like a little draw-type play. Uh, They lined Bijan up right behind the quarterback card, uh, they ran like a little draw action type play. It was a lot of zone blocking up front. Uh, and there was an absolute huge hole on the right side of the line of scrimmage. And if Bijan would have just taken the ball and gone, he has one guy to beat for a 93, 97, whatever it was. I don't remember exactly where the ball was. Really long touchdown, 90-plus yard touchdown. He has one guy to beat. Instead, he takes the ball, he stops, stands there. And I've got screenshots of all this. Uh, this is why this, this weighs so heavy on my mind. He stands there with the ball, does a stutter step, cuts, does another jump cut, and then finally decides, I'm going to go down this, I'm going to try to run through this hole. By that point, Texas Tech had a blitz coming off the edge on the backside. He runs him down, I think, maybe a yard gain. Uh, he is always hitting a jump cut before he before he makes his first acceleration. Uh, where I see Roshan, he, he just – he just takes the ball and goes. Like he sees the daylight and he goes. I don't think he has better vision necessarily than Bijan. I just think his whole goal when he gets the ball 
is to get one or two yards as quick as possible and then try to make a move, which he can. Uh, he, there was a couple of plays uh, in the game Saturday where, where he made guys miss and ran through, you know, arm tackles, uh, just completely sort of made guys whiff on him. Um, obviously, again, Bijan is better than that, uh, better than him at that. Uh, but I think that skill doesn't translate as much to the NFL uh, as, as uh, what Roshan has. Uh, so there we go, horn take number two. And again, I love both of these guys. They're both outstanding. I think they're both going to have really good NFL careers. They're going to make a lot of money. Uh, but horn take number two is Roshan Johnson is going to have a better NFL career than Bijan Robinson. All right. We're still talking about things Texas needs to do, keep doing, uh, to be better, to continue to win, to, to really be able to run the Big 12. they got to stay aggressive on defense. Uh, the game they lost this year to Texas Tech was just an abomination. Uh, they played way too soft coverage. They got absolutely no pressure on this kid that, that went, I think he had five interceptions and two touchdown passes in the prior two games. And they did absolutely nothing to, to make him uncomfortable the whole game. Uh, I think what we've seen uh, against West Virginia and against Oklahoma is PK say, we've got to be able to get more pressure. We've got to make these guys uncomfortable. Uh, and so we've seen a lot more blitzing. Uh, we've seen a lot more uh, sort of uh, twisting and stunning and those types of things to confuse the offensive linemen. And we've seen a lot more press coverage out of the, uh, out of the defensive backs. Um, I, I think this Texas defense is is one of the most athletic Texas defenses we've had in the last 20 years. Uh, the problem is he's got them thinking too much, or he had them thinking too much. And what I feel like I've seen the last couple weeks is this team really just kind of pin its ears back and say, you know what, we're better than you guys. Almost across the board, we have better athletes than you guys. We're just going to play. Uh, the The – I think what PK wants to be able to do is play that soft coverage and force teams to go, uh, you know, 10, 11, 12 plays down the field. Uh, the problem is, and, but he wants to create turnovers because, okay, let's back up. Going 10, 11, 12 plays in one series is tough. It's not an easy thing to do. I know Texas Tech made it look super easy. They did. They had so many drives that were, they had 31 plays in the first two drives of the game. Uh, both ended up in scores, uh, 14 points right there. So, it is hard to do. Kudos to Tech. They figured out a way to do it. Uh, but 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 back to what PK wants to do. He's trying to he's trying to play that soft coverage and get pressure with four guys, right? Uh, which again, it's a good idea uh, if you can do it. The problem right now for Texas is, and and by the way, Texas is one of the top teams in the country at getting pressure. There was a stat uh, that came out last week. Uh, I think Michigan was the only team in the country that has more quarterback pressures than Texas. Uh, the problem is all of that pressure for Texas is coming up the middle or on blitzes. So, so if they bring more than four or those two defensive guys, and it's and, and I say two positions, it's not the guys. So there's four of them that are rotating in and out that are just wreaking havoc uh, from the defensive tackle positions. Uh, but that's where all the pressure is coming from. The pressure off the edge is not that great. Uh, it's okay, and they get home sometimes, but it's just not consistent enough over and over again uh, to really do what PK wants to do. Uh, so I feel like what he's going to have to do is gamble a little bit and say, you know what, I've got better athletes. Let's send some of these guys. 
Uh, let's do some twist up front. Let's make things hard on on these offensive lines because this whole let's just rush four up the field thing straight up is just not working. Uh, just wasn't working. Uh, so again, we got to stay aggressive on defense. And, and the last thing Texas needs to do to keep getting better, what they need to keep doing. So in business, a lot of times we talk about, you know, what do we need to keep doing and what do we need to stop doing? This is the, this is the part of the show where we're going to talk about again, what we need to keep doing. And the last thing we need to keep doing is JT Sanders. That guy had five catches for 71 yards and two touchdowns uh, against Oklahoma Saturday. Uh, This has been just a breakout year for this kid. Uh, He was a five-star out of Denton Ryan, ultra-talented, just didn't quite get a lot of playing time last year, and really just hadn't figured it out, right? Like, he, he couldn't block is basically what the story was. He could do all the other things, but he could not block. He worked really hard on that in the offseason, and there he is. What's interesting about JT Sanders this year, we've seen a ton of plays from him uh, on some quick screen type ash action, some stuff out to the side, uh, some some kind of you know over the middle like you know short yardage, let me turn my body and, and you get me the ball type thing. Against Oklahoma, they got him down the field, uh, and man, was it beautiful! I, I don't know, I don't know if you guys saw the game. If you if you're if you're listening to this podcast, you you definitely saw the game. I, I, I have no visions of grandeur that a lot of people are going to be listening to this that are not Texas fans. Uh, but that throw that Quinn Ewers made to JT Sanders as he was running down the seam uh, was, was amazing. Uh, there was two guys trailing and then one over the top and he fit that thing in there. Perfect. I honestly, I don't know that he could totally see JT Sanders when he let that ball go. That's how close the coverage from behind was. Uh, but he put that ball where only JT Sanders can catch it. Uh, he made a great catch and got in the end zone. Uh, JT Sanders is going to be a problem for the Big 12 for the rest of the year and whoever else plays Texas for the rest of the year. Uh, he is big. He is fast. Uh, he has got great hands. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian has said multiple times that he's got the best hands on the team, uh, which, again, for a kid that size is phenomenal. Uh, but now now that he can stretch the field, things are starting to open up. Things are starting to open up for Texas uh, you can get a tight end down the field. You open up the middle of the field in that way. Uh, it makes it really tough for defense defenses to to just sit on one thing. I feel like uh, earlier in the season, uh, especially with Card, uh, the defenses were loading up the box a little bit. They were they were loading up for the short passing game because let let's just face it, Hudson Card has had some problems getting the ball down the field accurately. Um, so they were kind of playing tight to the line of scrimmage. Uh, taking away all those short passing, you know, quick hitting type plays, uh, and and really taking away the run with 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 JT Sanders having the ability to get down the field the way he does, I, I don't think you can do that. Uh, he can get behind he can get behind the linebackers and even a even a sort of medium range safety really quickly. Uh, so I don't think you can just sit back and and let that kid uh, do that to you. you. You you can't load the box up the way you could before. So it's kind of a pick-your-poison type thing. All right, so uh, we talked about what Texas needs to keep doing. Let's talk a little bit about what they need to stop doing. Uh, first first and foremost, they need to stop thinking about the OU game, and I, and I think they will. I think uh, Steve Sarkeesian will, will get those guys reeled in. He, he let them enjoy it, uh, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure they had a hell of a time in the locker room, a hell of a time on the plane ride home, uh, probably a hell of a time watching the game film. I, I, don't, I don't know Steve's uh, – 
philosophy on this, but there's some coaches that when you win like that, you don't even watch the game film uh, because it's just sort of uh, uh, it's almost like fool's gold. You know, it, it looks so good. Uh, and there's uh, there's obviously things they could they could coach on and things they could get better at. Uh, but you don't want to keep like reinforcing that that's the way every game's going to be, right? So who knows if they even watched the film? Uh, if they did, I'm sure they had a good time watching that film. Uh, but but I but I bet you today they're out there busting their butts uh, and they're getting ready for for Iowa State. Uh, Mac Brown had a saying back when he was at Texas, and I'm sure he had it other places as well. But you, he he'd always say, "You never let one beat you twice." So never let one loss beat you twice, which means, hey, we lost this game that sucked. Uh, you know, we got to re- we got to regroup and we got to get ready to play the next week. Uh, and I think the same holds true for this game. Ne- never let a win get you beat next week because you think you're better than you are. Um, obviously, it was a great showing for the University of Texas. A uh, really big win, like a historic blowout in the series type win. Uh, but ISU doesn't care. Iowa State does not care that Texas blew out Oklahoma 49 to nothing. So they'll be ready to play. Uh, Sark's going to have to get those guys ready to play. And, uh, I think he will. Uh, I think, uh, you know, Steve Sarkeesian has, uh, coached under two really outstanding coaches, uh, in his college career. Uh, and Nick Saban, one of them being the best football coach like ever on the planet that's ever thought about coaching football. So, uh, I think, I think he understands the mental side of the game. I think he'll have that team ready to go. Um, another thing that Texas needs to stop doing, and this is the big one for me, and this is going to be my horn take number three. We need to stop doing things offensively just to do things offensively. Uh, what I mean by that, I, I think Steve Sarkeesian sometimes, uh, is so confident in his system and so confident in, in his mind and his preparation and so confident in his team's preparation that they, they just go out and try all kinds of crazy stuff. Uh, there was a there was a drive late in the – it was sometime in the third quarter where they started trying to throw the screen game after they'd just been pounding the ball. Uh, you know, Steve Sarkeesian, when he got to Texas, said, we want to be a running team. When he was at Alabama as the OC, they were a running team, and then they'd beat you over the top. And I think because of the offensive line issues that we've had here at Texas, especially last year – he had to kind of get away from that because we couldn't just line up and run the ball like he was able to do that when he was the OC at Alabama. Now I think he's starting to see where that this team can run the football a little bit. Uh, it's it's still not there. Uh, I don't know. Oklahoma's a bad defense. Oklahoma's just a bad team. Let's just go ahead and throw that out there. Uh, this will not happen every single game the rest of the season. Uh, so so, but but I think you're starting to see some some. Uh, you know, you're starting to see that this offensive line can take the game on its shoulders and run the football and pick up quality yards. I want him to do that. I want him to do that because I think it's gonna. It's obviously gonna gonna help those guys progress. It's gonna take pressure off of anybody that's playing quarterback, uh, and it's also gonna open up those deep throws down the field uh, that much more. Uh, so. Horn take number three for the day is please stop getting away from things that are obviously working to try things just to try things. All right. I think, and this is the last thing I'll talk about 
as far as this OU game. This has been a really long game recap, but a lot of stuff happened in that game. There were really there were two really big plays early in this game that I thought sort of uh, set the tone for the rest of the game or uh, changed the the whole dynamic of the game. Uh, the first one was the uh, the fourth and one uh, where Texas has scored, uh, and then Oklahoma comes down the field. They fake the field goal, uh, and then they end up in fourth and one, fourth and two, something like that. Uh, they decide to go for it, and uh, Texas just comes up with a hell of a defensive stand. If Oklahoma finds a way to to get that first down and manages to get the ball in the end zone, who knows what that sort of does to the to the look of the game going forward? Uh, anytime teams can score uh, and and stay with you, match you point for point, uh, it gives them that level of confidence that they can continue to do that. And and one of the things that that Texas has not been able to do. Is, is when they get their foot on somebody's neck, they have not been able to step down on those people's necks and in the game. Uh, they, they've let people hang around. They, they did it against Texas Tech. They did it six times last year. Uh, they just can never finish a game. Uh, and I think part of finishing a game is taking away a team's confidence early. Uh, and I think that was a huge play for them defensively uh, just, to, just to get that ball back uh, and just really, you know, put some more doubt in Oklahoma's minds about what was going on and what was going to happen the rest of this game. I think the other huge play uh, was another defensive play by Texas uh, was that pop pass attempt by Brent Venables. Uh, they had they had taken the ball down the field with the Wildcat uh, pretty quickly, and they did that a couple times uh, early in the game. Uh, and then uh, they tried that pop pass. Uh, it just did not work out for him. Obviously, uh, Jade Barron with the interception. Uh, but I thought that was another big play because, again, we're at the point in the game where if Oklahoma can just get a score, and it looked like they were going to, they were moving the ball really well. Texas was not adjusting to the to the Wildcat uh, at all, uh, and they just picked up. I mean, they must have they must have picked up twenty yards in, in like three plays just prior to that. It was huge chunks of yardage they were picking up uh, with the Wildcat. And then you, you ask a guy that's just not really a quarterback to try to try to make a pass. And I think I think the ball, I think his throw did get uh, sort of a uh, man. I don't know the word. It, it someone bumped into him while he was in the air. It was like one of those jump past Tim Tebow things. Uh, and somebody somebody got bumped into him while he was in the air, I think, and it kind of disrupted the the pass and the motion and all that, and it ended up being way short. Uh, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure they would have connected if that didn't happen, though. Uh, it looked like the tight end was running a real shallow cross type route, and he was throwing the ball more straight down the middle. So, um, anyway, those were two huge plays defensively, and I think at that point, uh, Oklahoma just started to feel a lot of doubt creep in. Uh, and then, you know, Texas goes and scores 28 points in the first half uh, and just really, really iced that game almost by halftime. Uh, not going to lie, sitting in the stands, I was sitting there and I was thinking to myself, man, it's the same thing we did last year. Uh, not as bad, obviously, but same, similar type of deal. Uh, and, and so even I had some doubt, but then they just came out and kept scoring and, and the rest is history. Um, so that's enough on the OU game. Great game. Really fun game. Uh, really, really excited to be there. 
uh, for that one. I've been there for some good ones, and I've been there for some bad ones. That was definitely a good one. But let's talk about uh, let's talk about the Texas Longhorns. Sort of, we're halfway through the season. We're six games in. They're sitting at four and two. Uh, what do I think about this team? So, uh, I, I think that I think they're really good. Uh, I think talent wise, they're just as good as anybody in the country. And I think that, and I'll let me let me let me sort of caveat that by saying. I think their starters are just as good as anybody else's starters in the country across the board. Um, I think they can play with anybody. If you only had starters and you went out and you played a game for four quarters, I think they can play with anybody in the country. Obviously, you've got teams like Alabama. You've got teams like Georgia. You've got teams like Ohio State. Uh, and then there's there's probably another group of teams sort of right under that group of teams that uh, have built have been able to, to build like a really solid nucleus of talent. Uh, and when you have a lot of really good talent in, on your depth chart, you can, you can in a lot of cases, roll guys out in, against a lot of teams uh, where your second and third string guys are better than the first string guys on the other team. Uh, so so uh, those teams obviously have the advantage, right? But Texas is one of those teams that's right there, and if they can continue the recruiting momentum, they'll start to get that type of depth. Uh, I think the game they played against Alabama was uh, pretty shocking in, in a good way. Uh, I, I didn't think there was any way uh, Texas was going to even cover in that game. Uh, and, man, they just came out and put – I mean, they they really did uh, beat beat up on Bama, not score-wise, but, like, physically-wise. Like, the game was just like they were winning that game physically – uh, for most of the game, uh, and then uh, obviously towards the end, uh, I'm, I'm sure some of that that depth that we just talked about led them to to, to give up a couple of big plays. Uh, and kudos to Bama, man! They just kept playing and kept playing and kept playing, and, and finally, you know, some of those really good players they had made some good plays, uh, and they won the game. Uh, but Texas hung with them, and Texas, you know, beat them for for a good three and a half quarters. Uh, and then you got the UTSA game where they didn't look that good. That's a letdown game. And then total opposite of the Bama game, you've got the Texas Tech game where it just looked like they didn't care. Like the defense just could not get off the field. Uh, Texas Tech converted 75% of their fourth down attempts in that game, and they attempted eight. Uh, they had two long third downs, third and a quarter of the field, where they jumped off sides either gave up a catch for a long first down or had a pass interference to give them a first down. Uh, just couldn't get off the field. Uh, the, the physicalness wasn't there. It was not. It did not look like the same group uh, that played against Alabama. Uh, and then you saw a lot of improvement back towards, you know, uh, the Bama, uh, you know, ULM game where, where they were just really dominant up front. You saw that uh, a little bit against West Virginia. And then this weekend against Oklahoma, uh, man, they – they they absolutely destroyed uh, Oklahoma's offensive line. So I think at the halfway point of year two for Steve Sarkeesian, he's got the he's got the team trending in the right direction. Uh, you cannot debate that they've got a ton of talent. Uh, you, you can't you can't just sort of absolve the fact that you can, you can't just throw out the Alabama game and say ah oh, that was a fluke. Just no more than you can throw out the Tech game and say they this team can do that. This team did that all year last year. So. Uh, a lot of coaches like to say winning is hard. Nick Saban is one of them. I think I've heard Steve Sarkeesian say it. Winning is hard. Uh, 
and, and you you just have to play four quarters to do it. And I think what we saw even in a blowout against Oklahoma was was Texas never let off the gas. Uh, and part of part of the players not letting off the gas is the coaches not letting off the gas. And I think I think Steve Sarkeesian's kind of had a tendency uh, over the you know his first two years here at Texas to get a big lead and sort of let off the gas. Uh, and what we saw Saturday was was not that. So um, it'll be interesting to see what we get going on uh, the next six games. Uh, the schedule of the next six games is pretty tough. Uh, you know you got. You got ISU at home, which, uh, you know, they're a 14 point favorite against Iowa State. Uh, if Texas shows up, I don't see any way that, that, uh, Iowa State can win that game. Uh, if Texas plays like they did, you know, the last couple of weeks, they'll win that game comfortably. Uh, but then you got to go on a road game to Oklahoma State. And Oklahoma State's a pretty good team. Uh, I'm obviously they're ranked really high and they're undefeated. And I don't know who you would rate ahead of them. Uh, I don't know that they're the eighth best or seventh best team in the country. Uh, I, I think they lost way too much uh, last year to just be that type of be that type of team. But they're undefeated, uh, and they're and they're you know all you can do is go win all your games, right? So th- so that'll definitely be a test. Uh, and then you got to go to Manhattan. At least uh, there's a bye week between the Oklahoma State game and the and the Kansas State game. Um, and then you get TCU at home, and TCU right now is looking really good. A big blowout win over Oklahoma, uh, beat an undefeated Kansas team last weekend. And by the way, I think that Kansas team is a really good team. Uh, that quarterback is outstanding. Uh, that that guy just finds a way to make plays and, and will his team to victory. So uh, Kansas is a good team. Um, and then obviously you get Kansas in Kansas. Uh, Texas is going to want to you know, revenge the loss for la- from last year. Uh, so, so, uh, and then Baylor comes to town for the last game of the season. Uh, and, and, you know, you look at that group, uh, I think the majority of that group is ranked, uh, or has been ranked at some point during the season. So, uh, there's no gimmies left, uh, maybe outside of ISU, there's no gimmies left, uh, on this schedule for Texas. So, uh, they're really going to have to, uh, continue to, to prepare well. Uh, you hear Steve Sarkeesian talk all the time about, you know, we feel confident because of our preparation. Uh, and, and I thought the team prepared well this week and, and this, that, and the other. Uh, and they're going to have to do that if they want to continue to win football games. Uh, going back to what I think of this team, I think this team – I said last year that I feel like this team should win eight games floor. Um, and I feel like by winning eight games and maybe even that ninth game that they put themselves in a really good position to play for the Big 12 championship – uh, with the Big 12 is wide open and sort of, you know, no real front runner this year uh, that's going to run away from the pack. Uh, I felt like regardless of the fact that it's year two in a rebuild for Steve Sarkeesian, that he has a chance to take this team to the Big 12 championship game. And I still think this team has a really good shot to go to the Big 12 championship game. Uh, so for me, that's the goal. Let's try to make this Big 12 championship game. Let's try to win it. Um but they're going to have to play really well down the stretch to do that. Uh, so that's my first podcast. It was probably a shit show, but uh, I had a really good time talking about Texas football uh, and, and we'll figure this out and we'll get better at the production and we'll get better at uh, the topics and all that stuff. Uh, we'll just get better. That's all we can do, right? 
You guys have a good one. Hook them.